Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the third part in our series going through the book of Colossians. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Come on, someone. He forgave us all of our sins, not part of our sins, all of our sins. Having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Condemnation is gone. He's been nailed. And when he did that, he disarmed the powers and authorities, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Verse 16 says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or with regards to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These, some will say these, are a shadow of the things that were to come, but the reality is found in Christ. Come on, someone, can we clap our hands this morning? Thank you so much, worship team. You guys can have a seat. I'm going to give you guys a title for our message this morning. Uh, and for the few young people, you guys might not know this song, but anyone remember a group in the 90s called TLC? Yeah. So they had a song, and in the song they say, Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. Yeah. Anyone know that song? Yeah. In the spirit of TLC, I want to call our message this morning, Don't Go Chasing Shadows. Okay. Don't Go Chasing Shadows. I'm going to pray one more time. Jesus, speak now. God, you have the authority in this place. So fill our hearts with you. And God, anything that comes against you, speak against it right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, for anyone that knows me, the longer you'll hang out with me, you'll find one thing. Chantel's finding this out this summer. Uh, I don't really like animals. I just, I just don't. Anyone else? <laughs> like, I like dogs because, you know, man's best friend. They're nice. But, like, the rest of them... Not a fan. It's just not my, just not my thing. Now you need to understand for every person uh, that you know has likes, dislikes. A lot of it comes from history. And so one thing you need to know about us uh, is that our family specifically, uh, we grew up. Our house was backed onto a ravine with forest, and so a lot of times like these creepy critter crawler things would make their way into our house. And like if you guys are in church long enough, like I'll tell you one day about the war we had with the squirrels back in two thousand nine. But you gotta just stay in church for a little bit. Um, but uh, I just don't like animals because like they've infested our house. And so, very specifically, the one I probably remember the most. I should also mention I don't like birds. I'm just like you guys. No, no, that's another story for another time. But one time, like we were really young, uh, we were investing, infested by mice. And like I'll never forget at the time, our basement was unfinished, and my brother and I would play down there, and there were just like mouse droppings everywhere. And it was just disgusting, like just disgusting little creatures. Uh, sometimes we go to, uh, to Planet uh, Fitness, not Planet Fitness, uh, PetSmart, and there's mice there. And like, uh, my iPod just shut off, which is weird. Uh, Megan, you know what's up? Uh, so it threw me off, but it's back on, we're back. Uh, PetSmart has pet mice, which I think is really gross because mice are vermin. Uh, anyways, back on track. Mice were attacking our house back in the day. And what, uh, what happened was my parents decided that like, they needed to kill the mice so the mice didn't kill us. 
And so this was like pre-Google days, which like you guys, the dark days, like pre-Google. Um, some, some of you guys, like, there's a pre-Google life, yes. And uh, I wasn't really sure how, but one thing my parents figured out was that like, contrary to popular belief, mice don't necessarily like cheese as much as they like sweeter things. And so I remember like, they put peanut butter in all the traps. Because for them, like what they did, and I don't know where the research was done or how it was done, they realized that like, if you have an enemy, you better know your enemy. You gotta know their tendency. So every single trap was filled with peanut butter. And I'll never forget, this, this was so important uh, for, for my brother, my sister, and myself. One thing they said to us, they said, hey listen, this is where the traps are. They're in the basement, they're in the garage, they're, they're outside. So whatever happens, do not come close to the traps. And maybe they're being dramatic, but they were like, if you put your finger in the trap, you'll lose your finger. So don't come close to the traps. Because for them, what they realized when they came to us was the best thing that they could do to avoid us falling into those traps was to expose them and to let us know where they are. So what I want to do today, I want to continue our series going through the book of Colossians. And what I want to do this morning is I want to begin to expose a number of traps that many of us fall into. And what Paul is about to do in Colossians chapter 2, Paul is going to expose the traps that so many people who follow Jesus or profess to follow Jesus fall into. If you guys have been with us in this series, one thing that you will know is Paul specifically is writing this letter to the church in Colossae because the church in Colossae has kind of steered off the path of Jesus. They had began to follow a whole bunch of other things. And so today, what we're going to see is that Paul is going to expose the traps that so many believers fall into. And I think today, as we go through these traps and we begin to expose them, I believe that we are going to expose traps that many of us still fall into today. Because what I want us to understand is that although humanity changes, evolves, our enemy does not. And so what that means is the tactics used by the enemy in the past are the same tactics that, we, you, that he uses today. And so what I want to do is I want to begin to expose some traps that a lot of us fall into. If you're with us last week, and if you missed it, I encourage you to go online and check it out. We talked all about getting rooted, yeah. getting planted, going deeper. And so the more rooted you get, the deeper you are, oftentimes the more we fall into traps or the more traps are put along our path. And so today, I want us to avoid some traps. So, I usually don't do this, but I want to give us our first point right now. So if you guys are taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, the door's that way. Um, <laughs> last week, we talked about spiritual disciplines, taking notes. What time to be alive that was. First note is this. We're talking about how can we avoid the traps of the enemies. Write this one down. You need to know your enemy. Simple as that. If you want to avoid the traps, if you want to avoid getting caught, you need to know your enemy. So Colossians chapter 2 is where I want to go. Uh, Paul says in verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Than on Christ. For in Christ... All the fullness of the body lives, the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So there's a whole lot going on here, so I'm really going to break this down. So I want you guys to stay with me. But the essence of what he's saying, Paul is saying, our minds are up 
for grabs. The way in which the enemy will attack will nine times out of ten be through our minds. And so Paul says in Colossians 2 verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition. Now, what does that mean? What is Paul trying to say? The essence of it is this. When he talks about human tradition, what that means is that when it comes to our minds, when it comes to the things that we intake, the things that we let influence us, he's saying there's two ways we can go. We can follow God or we can follow culture. We can follow humans. We can follow humanity. And what Paul is saying, he's saying those are actually hollow and deceptive. I either follow Jesus or I follow the ways of people. Now, the reason he says hollow and deceptive is because what he means is sometimes, like, how many guys ever listen to a podcast, watched a show, maybe you saw something on Instagram, and it actually kind of sounded like good advice? Yeah. Like it's completely contrary to anything God's ever said. But it sounds kind of good. You guys ever experienced that? Yeah. Paul is saying, at the end of the day, it might sound good, but it doesn't mean it is good. I want you to understand something. Whatever we are letting filter into our brains, because Paul is saying our minds are up for grabs, things may sound good, but that doesn't always mean that they are good. I'll give you guys an example. Uh, one thing in our culture, because again, we can follow God, follow culture. One thing our culture says that science sounds kind of good is follow your heart. You guys heard that one? Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. Hey, listen, just follow your heart. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to do relationally. Follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And for a lot of us, and if you don't know, heart is really just kind of a metaphor for our emotions. Mm-hmm. And so the essence of what they're saying is follow your emotions. If you don't want to do something, don't do it. If you want to do it, just do it. Just follow your heart. That's what culture says. You want to know what God says? Can I, can I tell you guys? You guys going to wake up? What the Bible says is the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? And so what he's saying is a lot of times our emotions are actually lying to us. We live in a world that says, I feel, therefore I am. The Bible says you feel and it could be a lie. In fact, it might be a lie. I'll give you evidence that we're kind of moving forward in kind of this feelings-dominated culture. Uh, any young entrepreneurs in the room, anyone watching online, I'll give you guys some advice. There's an industry that's on the rise. I was reading an article this week. Booming. You want to know what it is? Where the entrepreneurs at? Who wants to make some money? Yeah. An industry that's on the rise is tattoo removal services. Oh. Like never before. Now you need to understand something. I got nothing against tattoos. I want a sleeve, actually. I just don't want it forever. Um, <laughs> so I don't have one. But uh, nothing against tattoos. I want to make that clear. But one thing, like even like as opposed to 10 years ago, and I don't, I don't have any stats for this, but more and more people have tattoos. Correct? Would you guys say just kind of just looking around? And so what we've also found is that the rise of tattoos has been the rise of tattoo removal services. Why? Because people are getting things. And I, I really don't know many people that some that like in the moment it doesn't feel good. This is what I want forever. But tattoo removal services are showing us sometimes our hearts lie to us. Sometimes our heart lie to us. And so Paul is saying, and I could go through a, a myriad of examples of other human traditions, things that we, that we listen to that we think are good. But what Paul is saying is that make sure no one takes you captive. He says these deceptive philosophies depend on human tradition. And this has been, I want us to understand this. He says, and the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Rather than God. 
Christ. The point that I was making at the start, I said, if you want to avoid the traps, we need to know who our real enemy is. You see, a lot of times, Christians say things like, you know what, like, uh, or, or not even Christians, people in general. We think that our enemy is people, right? My problem is my coworkers, my problem is my boss. And a lot of times, Christians, now I'm talking about Christians, we say, man, the issue is just the culture. The issue is the culture. The culture is so bad. It's just pushing back against Christianity. What Paul is saying, he said, I want you to know who your real enemy is. And what he's saying is in every deceptive and empty human tradition, he says there's actually something behind it. It's not just human speaking. He's saying there is a deceptive elemental spiritual force. And so at the very end of the day, what he's saying, and I want us to understand this, and this is big, if it doesn't come from God, it comes from the devil. That's what Paul is saying. A lot of us, again, have a mindset to say, if it's not from God, maybe it's my person, maybe it's my cousin, maybe it's my coworker saying crazy thing. Paul says, no, behind every empty, empty spiritual thought is the devil. So, so let me put two and two together. You guys might not like this, but it's going to hit home. Follow your heart, if you take Paul's advice, would be a demonic thought. Because it actually runs contrary to what the Bible says. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. You see, at the end of the day, I want to make one thing clear. The devil, someone say devil, yeah. is the ruler of this world. And the Bible is clear. Some of you guys are aware of how like God has a hole in his hand. All, all that stuff. And I'm, I'm going to break it down. But you need to understand, the devil, Satan, is the ruler of this world. That's what Paul's saying in Colossians. Now that's probably not strong enough biblical evidence, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit more. Can I do that? Yeah. I'm going to take a little study. Ephesians chapter 6, this is also Paul. He says the same thing, verse 12. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, our enemy is evil. And he, there's a lot of texts he has. He says rulers, authorities, power. Why? Because evil, the devil, is the ruler of this world. I need to make this clear. It's going to all make sense in a second. Some of you guys are scared. Luke chapter 4. Last one. This is the devil tempting Jesus. And then the devil taking him, Jesus, up on a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. You guys ever seen that before? The devil saying, hey, listen, every, he takes him to a moment in time where he's able to see everything under the earth. Say, Bro, this is all mine, Jesus. If you just worship me. So I want us to understand this. Satan has some level of authority in this world. And we need to know our enemy. Because if you don't know your enemy. If you don't know who you're fighting. You're going to get punched in the side of the face. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone ever been sucker punched before? Anyone ever been sucker punched by the devil before? Yeah. Where did that come from? Paul is, saying, Paul is saying know your enemy. He is the enemy. Watch out. So watch out. If you know he's there, if you know he's like a, a lion trying to devour, we need to watch out. Now, I want you to understand something. The Bible calls him Satan. And for a lot of us, we've got a picture of Satan, devil, horns. 
pitchfork, Halloween. All Satan means is accuser. It's literally Hebrew for the accuser. And so what we know about the devil and why he has that description is because the main thing that he does is he accuses us. He accuses believers. And so if we know that, if we know that the devil is the accuser, if we know that what he's trying to do is push us off the path that God has for us, and he's trying to get us on his path, if we know he has some level of authority, I believe that God sent me to say to someone today, really simply, that's not you. That's not you. And what I mean by that is that I know there are so many people, and it's run rampant in the last year and a half, that have begun a running narrative in their mind. A narrative that says you are not good enough. A narrative that says you are not worthy. A narrative that says you're not worth it. For some of us, it manifests in ways like, are you really going to let that person get away with that? Are you really going to let them do that to you? What's he doing? He's accusing. He's the accuser. And so Jesus sent me to say to someone today that's been struggling with these thoughts and you think it's you. It's not you. It's the accuser. It's the enemy. Every single thing that is not from God is of the devil, who is the ruler of this world. I want you to understand for any person in this room that has heard a voice that has said you are not worth it, just end it. That's not from God. That's not of God. And in the name of Jesus, we speak against those thoughts. And I just felt like I had to tell someone, that's not you. Because you've been struggling thinking that's from you. And maybe you're in this person, in person, maybe you're online. And maybe it's just manifesting itself in this place where you just cannot have peace. It's like no matter what I do, no matter where I go, I feel this just nonsense of peace. I feel heaviness. That's not you. Behind every empty thought, human deception is the real enemy. And so I want you to understand something. If any of us in this room are going through these things, if you've heard these voices, I want to encourage you to reach out. Especially if you've had a voice in your head that tells you to end it. Because there are so many things we would like to do to help you. And to let you know that is not of God. And that is not of you. So please reach out. And I just felt all week that I need to tell someone that. You see... In Paul's letter to the Colossians, if you guys have been with us, I told you he's trying to fight against all of these different competing ideologies. There was Gnosticism, there was mysticism, there was Jewish legalism, which I'll explain in a little bit. But for the most part, Paul doesn't really address these things by name. You want to know why he doesn't address them by name? Because for Paul, he's, they're all one and the same. If it's not from up above, it's from down below. And so what Paul is doing is Paul is just saying... This is not you. This is not from God. And so a lot of us are thinking to ourselves, Harrison, this is kind of dark. Is it getting better? It's about to get better if you guys are ready. But you need to know your enemy. And you need to understand that the devil has power on this world, in this world. The devil has a level of authority in this world. You want to know what Jesus says? Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Why? Because this isn't what he's looking for. 
He's not trying to keep us here. He's trying to take us above. Jesus says the world will hate you if you follow me. Why? Because the devil has a sense of authority here. A level of authority. Am I making myself clear? Is there anyone that's confused? I want us to understand. I want us to know our enemy. And I want you to understand where Jesus comes in all of this. And I want you to understand, because when we say ruler, when we see power, it kind of seems like, oh my gosh, that's kind of strong. Let me show you what kind of a leader, what kind of a ruler the devil is. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul is reminding them. There's a reason he needs to remind them of who you are. Because they've heard other things. They've had other ideologies come into their mind. I'm here today to remind you of who you were. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. You're not who you were. You're not where you came from. He has forgiven all of our sins. So that condemnation that we feel is not from God. Because having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So here's what the enemy does. The enemy speaks in half-truths. I'll tell you a half-truth. You're not worthy. There's some truth in that. The full truth says, I don't have to be worthy because Jesus is worthy of it all. (laughs) The half truth says, you're a sinner. You will never be a saint. The Bible says, hey, guess what? If you're in Christ Jesus, every sinner is a saint. So it's half truths. It's half truths. And on the cross, I want us to understand this. Verse 15, it says, on the cross, Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. You want to know what this is literally saying? It's saying Jesus put to shame the devil. He put him to shame. He literally embarrassed him. You want to know why? Because the greatest tool the enemy had was death. And when Jesus triumphant over the grave, Jesus came out victorious. We know that even death is at the end. And so he was made a fool. And every single thing that he says to accuse us, Jesus has reversed the curse. He says, and so he's triumphant over them by the cross. So you want to know what this means? I'll tell you what kind of a ruler Satan is. Satan is a figurehead ruler. You want to know what a figurehead ruler is? You guys know the queen? She's fancy. You might give her a curtsy. Megan has some issues with the queen. (laughs) But at the very end of the day, especially in the way that the government works, the queen has no real power. At least not like how she used to have. And so she's a figurehead. Because now there's the, the British parliament, all that stuff. And so what happened on the cross is that's the kind of ruler that Jesus makes Satan. He's a ruler of this world, but he's a defeated ruler. He's lost his power. And so you need to understand this. Satan is the ruler of this world, but Jesus is the king of the universe. And so he says, you can have the world. I'm going to have it all. He's the king of the universe. He reigns above it all. And so listen to this. If you are in Christ, guess what? Here's the beauty. You have the authority. What does that mean? The Bible says that we are co-heirs with Christ. Jesus sits on the right hand, in the right hand of the Father, which is a symbol of authority. And so Jesus says, what I, give, what I have, I give to you. It's authority. It's power. And so what we can actually do when we come into Christ is we can actually speak against lies. And although Satan is the ruler of this earth, if I'm in Christ, I'm a co-heir in the kingdom of God. 
So you can have the world. I don't need it. That's what he's saying. Satan may be the ruler of this world, but write it down. Jesus is king of the universe. And so does he have the whole world in his hand? Absolutely. And so the devil is a defeated foe. Darkness has lost. It's lost. And so everything the devil does, I'm going to explain it in a second, because he has no power. All he can get us to do is chase shadows. That's all he can get us to do. And so I want you to understand something really quickly, because we have authority. If you're taking notes, write this down. How do I fight back against my enemy? Write down, worship is our weapon. Worship is our weapon. One of the reasons we come here and praise and worship is because we're giving glory to the King of Kings, to the name above all names. And can I tell you one thing the devil does not want, does not like, cannot stand? It's when we enthrone Jesus on with praise. When we come here and we sing, you reign above it all, you reign above it all. Come on, somebody. The devil can't stand it. Why? Because it reminds him of his place. Jesus is king of the universe. And so listen, worship is multifaceted because one thing the enemy wants to do is accuse you. And so not only do we enthrone God, but we also declare who we are in Christ. That's why we say things like, I may not be enough, but I'm enough in you. That's why when we worship, we say, this is my testimony from death to life. He's raised me up. I don't believe your lies, devil. That's why we sing, uh, grace come over me like a wave. Because I know that no matter what I feel, grace is more. And so we declare it. And so worship is multifaceted. I declare who Jesus is. I enthrone him with praises. And I declare who I am in Christ. You are a co-heir. You are a son. You are a daughter. Worship is our praise. And now some of you say, wait a second. I walk in late every single week, like 15, 20 minutes. (laughs) Can I tell you something? What What did I say? Everything that is not from God is from the devil. I know there's a voice that's been telling me, you don't like worship. You don't like to sing. You don't want to raise your hand. That's embarrassing. Guess what? That's from the devil. Can I tell you that Starbucks lineup that causes you to be 15 minutes late? That's from the devil. <laughs> Listen for a second. I can't praise for other people. I can't praise for other people. The, the devil hates when we enthrone him, when we enthrone Jesus. But he also loves when you walk in 13 minutes late. Because you miss praise. And you miss worship. And you've actually disarmed yourself from the greatest weapon you have against the enemy. But guess what? Good news. I already thought about it ahead of time because I knew you all be late someday. <laughs> so we're going to praise again at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and when we praise, for the very first time, some of us are going to enthrone Jesus. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I'm not enthroning him with hands in my pocket. I'm not declaring who he is with my mouth closed. Jesus says when he came in on the donkey, they're like, yo, people are praising you, saying Hosanna. Jesus says, guess what? If they didn't say anything, the rocks would cry out. Something and someone is worshiping God. And so, hey, let it be you. And that voice, again, what did I say? It's not you. That thing that says, I don't like worship, I don't like showing up on time, I just like the word. No, you don't. You're actually built to worship. You were made to worship. The devil's trying to disarm you. So can I encourage you from this moment out? Don't come at 10 o'clock. Come at 9.45. The coffee tastes better at 9.45. The music is better at 10 o'clock than it is at 10.18. 
Because when you come in the middle of a song, it's like, why are they screaming? It's because we're enthroning Jesus. I hope you guys wrote down, worship is our weapon. Darkness is lost. That's the enemy that we face. But guess what? He's not going down without a fight. So Paul lets you know he's a disarmed enemy, but he says this, continuing. He says, Colossians 2.16, he says, Therefore, as a result of all of this, we know who our enemy is. We know what he's trying to do, but we know who Christ is. He says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regards to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. If the devil can't get in your mind, what he's going to try to do is get you chasing shadows. So write this down. A shadow is something that promises what Jesus offers, but it never delivers. The devil ain't that creative. He's a, he's a con artist. And so he's actually trying to, pro- he's trying to promise you what you need. But it's only Jesus who offers it. A shadow is something that promises what Jesus offers, but never delivers. You see, again, and this is what we need to understand, behind every deceptive thought, broken philosophy, is darkness. So many of us are chasing shadows and we don't even know it. I'm going to give you guys a quick Bible study. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. I want you to understand something. I'm going to get theological and I'm going to get very, very practical. I told you in in Colossae, one of the issues they were dealing with, and if you read the epistles, it's an issue in many of the epistles, is people that were called Judaizers. And what a Judaizer was, is there were people that had converted from Judaism to Christianity, but instead of living in the beauty of the new covenant, they tried to get the believers to live back in the bondage of the old covenant. And so what that looked like specifically Judaizers, and some things were varied, but there was generally three things, if you read scholars, that Judaizers wanted Christians to do. They wanted them to be circumcised, they wanted them to follow their dietary laws, and they wanted them to obey their religious days, specifically the Sabbath. And so, what you need to understand, if you've never heard this, I'm going to explain it to you. In the Old Covenant, we are marked and we are sealed based on our obedience to the law. If you are not obedient to the law, Guess what? Too bad, so sad. Offer a sacrifice, do it again, do it again, do it again. What Paul says is the old covenant, it was a burden that we could not bury. That we could not bear, it was too much. And so what Judaizers were trying to do, they thought they were acting on behalf of God. But they weren't. That's why Paul says behind everything is actually the devil. And so what they were trying to do is they were trying to enslave They didn't know it, though. People to the law. And the essence is this. I'll explain it like this. Everything in the Old Covenant, Paul says. Can we put the verse up for a second, Uh, Sarah? He says, these are shadows of the things that were to come. So everything that we see in the Old Testament was actually just pointing towards Jesus. And so if you want to understand Old Covenant theology versus New Covenant theology, it's as simple as this. The New Covenant is Jesus, and what Jesus offers you is better. And so every time you try to chase old covenant living morality, you're just chasing a shadow. Because, come on, because what he's saying is the reality has been found in Jesus. Jesus is what you are looking for. So very practically, he says, let no one judge you on a religious festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. 
Last theological thing I'm going to give you, then I'm done. In the Old Testament, they celebrated Passover. And the reason they celebrated Passover was because they were celebrating the fact that God had released the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. And the people of God, the Jewish people, celebrated Passover forever. They still celebrate it in many places. As New Covenant Christians, we do not need to celebrate Passover. Do you want to know why? It's because the truth is, in, in the Exodus, God delivered the people of Israel from slavery. But what Jesus does for everyone in the new covenant is better. He delivers all of us from the bondage of sin. And so we don't celebrate, we don't celebrate Passover, we celebrate communion. When Jesus says, this is my blood, take this, drink this, this is the blood of the new covenant. But what they were trying to do is they were trying to bring people back. I need you to understand something. In a religious sense, in empty religion, they're always trying to bring you back when Jesus has offered you something better in the form. They're trying to bring you back to a shadow. A shadow. Same thing with the Sabbath. For the Israelites, they had one day marked up. It says, you shall not work. Make it, set it apart. Consequence for not following it, stoned. Sorry, old covenant style. In the new covenant, the essence of what Jesus is saying is that I offer you something better. And if you read Matthew 11, it's very explicit. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah, yeah. You can take a day, but you don't need a day. Because what you need is a full heart transformation. I need rest in Christ. I need only what he offers. And so Jesus doesn't point us to religious piety. He points us to him. Everything points back to him. Jesus is the center of it all. That's what we've been saying in this series. And everything else is just a shadow. And this is the problem with religion. Because religion is so focused on outward piety. I Meaning, what do I look like? Bro, I'm circumcised, y'all. Part of the chosen. If you don't like circumcised, don't read the New Testament. It's everywhere. The word. But it's outward things. Jesus isn't worried about outward piety. He wants inner transformation. He wants to change you from the inside out. And the beauty of the new covenant is it offers us that. It offers us a change from the inside out. That's the theological. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So what he does, he gets people chasing shadows. People, and, and the essence, and, and really the metaphor of why a shadow is so rich, if you guys can see my shadow on the wall, the shadow's me, but it's not actually me. It's just a reflection. And anyone that's been in a relationship, you can probably attest to this, I'd much rather be with my wife than the shadow of my wife. Because mm -hmm. all it's going to offer me is emptiness. And so Paul says, don't go chasing shadows. And so many of us will use religion as a shadow and we have no idea we're chasing it because we thought it was good. But the beauty of the Bible, the beauty of the New Testament is clear. That even if it's religious, even if it's quoted Bible texts, if it's not of God, it's of the devil. Here's the practical. Social media. Social media is a shadow. I hope you guys understand that. And the reason it's a shadow is because it offers you something that you think you're looking for. What does it offer us? It offers us connection. It offers us this idea to be known. Maybe in some sense even to be famous. But at the end of the day, the reason we know social media is a shadow 
And really, how do I identify what are shadows? Know them by their fruit. What do they produce? You see social media, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, they all promised us connection, intimacy. But a lot of us in this room know all that it's produced is emptiness. And it's got us chasing, chasing fame, chasing cloud. But at the very end of the day, I want you to understand something. The cry of our heart is not to be known by everyone. It's to be seen by a precious few. Mm -hmm. That's what we actually need. But what the devil does is he gets us chasing shadows. Listen, you just need one more like. You just need one more follow. If you post this, well, that's going to bring you what you're looking for. But know it by its fruit. How many of us are following people online in the last year they've come out and told you as their follower how much they're struggling? Hey, I'm just on here to tell you my mental health is, is a mess. Why? Because of chasing shadows. And the truth is, many of us chase shadows. Power is a shadow that many of us chase. Just want to be known. I want to be, I want to be a, a CEO. I want to be a boss. Hashtag boss baby. <laughs> but I'll tell you something. The power that you are looking for is not the power the world offers. Jesus actually showed us what true power is when he died on the cross. He says, no greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for their friend. Jesus exhibited power the night before he was betrayed when he got on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. The power that the world offers will never satisfy. The power that you're looking for is actually found in service. Mm -hmm. And Jesus showed us. Yet so many of us chase shadows. Chase shadows. Last one. And this is the biggest shadow that I think many of us chase. And it's the shadow that is overwhelming our world right now. It is the shadow of identity. So many of us are trying to answer a simple and fundamental question. Who am I? And what's happening is that instead of looking for the reality that's found in Jesus, we chase shadows. One shadow that a lot of us are chasing is our job, careers, vocation, right? Like a lot of us, high school age, college age, there's an ungodly amount of pressure to pick the right thing. Yeah. If I take the wrong course, who will I be even really? <laughs> but I'll tell you something, what you're looking for will not be found in a job title. It will not be found in a vocation. Listen, love your job, serve your boss, serve your employees, but your job is not who you are. And I'll probably talk about this in two weeks, but if your job becomes God, becomes the thing that you chase, it's going to go one of two ways. You're going to divinize it, which means you become, it becomes God, and it will never satisfy because it is not God, or you'll begin to demonize it because you thought it would give you something, but it couldn't actually provide, and so then you hate your job. But the truth is you're just chasing shadows. It's the shadow of identity. Who am I? So many of us. I thought it was quiet before. It's about to get real quiet now. So many of us are chasing the shadow, the identity shadow of sexuality, of relationship. And that shadow says, if you can just get into a relationship, then you will be complete. Then you will be who you're looking for. Sexuality says, if I can just figure out 
what my sexuality is, if I can just understand myself, then I will be at peace. But it's a, it's a shadow. For a lot of us, gender, gender right now is a shadow that so many of us are chasing. And there's a generation of people that do not know who they are or where they fit on the spectrum. And so they chase and they chase and they chase, hoping that it will satisfy, hoping that it will fulfill. For some of us, even as men, we try to find our identity as men. I'm just a manly man. I don't show emotions. I don't worship. I don't come to church. That's who I am. You're not going to find what you're looking for. Toxic feminism, you won't find what you're looking for. Biblical feminism is men and women are equal. Toxic feminism says, in my womanhood, I will find who I am. You will not, because you were created to be so much more than gender. But what the devil does is he gets us chasing shadows. And so people think, if I just understand myself, then I'll know who I am. Those are just shadows. Worship team, I'm going to show you guys. You guys can come up. I'm going to show you the identity that you're actually looking for. It's not in the job. It's not in sexuality. It's not in gender. It's not in a relationship. Paul puts it so simply like this. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in so I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Can I tell you something? Your earthly body is not going to find what it's looking for outside of Jesus. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, because a lot of us are saying, Harrison, I don't like who I am. The reason I chase is because I don't like who I am. I don't like who I see in the mirror. I don't like myself without my job, without that title, without that position. But the truth is, at the end of the day, guess what? You're not enough. But that's okay. Because in Jesus, you have what you are looking for. That's why Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. So I want to encourage someone today, someone watching online. Can we die to chasing shadows? Let's only go to Jesus, the one who can give us what we're looking for. The one who has our identity is rooted in him. Jesus is what you're looking for. Here's the identity you're looking for. It's not boss. It's not CEO. It's not single. It's not married. It's not, it's not mister. It's not him. It's child of the son of God most high. That's the identity you're looking for. And we come against in the name of Jesus any voice that tells you that you're something different. That's who we are. My old self. And you're saying, Harrison, that is, th- th- those lies are so strong. Guess what? Today, we can put them away. Today, Galatians 2.20 can be our testimony. The old has passed away. Behold, I'm a new creation in Jesus. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, Jesus, how can, I, how can I have salvation? What must I do? Some of us say, I don't like the person I am. I don't like how I was born. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. So I got great news. You don't like who you see in the mirror. You don't feel like you're enough. It's okay. Die to that person. And find identity in Jesus. Colossians 2.17 says, these things are just shadows. They're shadows of what's to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
I have a direct message about a DM from the Lord for someone today. It's time to stop chasing. It's time to stop chasing shadows. The reality is found in Jesus. Those places you are going are dry. They may seem fertile, but they're dry. It may seem good because everyone says it's good, so culture says I need, I need to be in a relationship. They're dry. But Jesus has a message for anyone that feels like they're in a dry place. John chapter 7 and what he's doing here is showing how he fulfills another festival called the Festival of Tabernacle. Don't got time for the story, but he says this. This is the last and greatest day of the festival. Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, I believe he's saying this to us today. Can we just stand today? I want us to receive this. I want someone to receive this. He says that anyone who is thirsty today, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures say, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He's what you're looking for. He's the reality. Let's stop chasing shadows. Let's stop chasing empty things. And I see a picture today of the Father. And His arms are wide open. And He wants to welcome you home. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you've fallen off the path like the church in Colossae, but the arms are still open. And so right now, what I'm going to get us to do, if you want to follow Jesus for the first time, if you feel that thing speaking to you, Holy Spirit that says you've chosen, you loved, you're mine. I want us, as an outward cry of what Jesus is doing to us on the inside, I want us to worship. The direct response to the gospel is always to worship. And so right now, again, this is going to be the first time for some of us. We're going to open up our mouths, we're going to lift up our hands, and we're going to sing, and we're going to enthrone Jesus. The only thing you can give God is praise. That's it. And so today, for the first time, let's give Him praise. Let's make this a prayer. This is a prayer. It, it literally just goes from the from a heart to the heavens. Jesus be the center. Jesus be the center. Today, that's our plea. That's our cry. Jesus be the center. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.